Hello, and welcome to our Founding Connected Philanthropy podcast. Today, we are privileged to have Corey Brester, the Director of Information Systems here at Foundant Technologies, and Jeff Bowie, a security expert and penetration tester at High Point Networks, as our guests. And we will be talking about risks associated with web applications and learn how to help how you can help make the right decisions to keep yourselves organized and safe. High Point Networks has been a guest speaker on a Foundant Educational Webinar Series and is one of Foundant's trusted partners in the security and information technology space. Thank you so much for joining us today. And now I'm going to turn it over to Corey and Jeff for their discussion on ethical hacking and cybersecurity. Thanks, Tammy. Thanks for that um, that welcome. And Jeff, thanks for thanks for joining me today. Um, mm-hmm. It's going to be. I think we'll have a lot of great topics here in conversation around around cybersecurity. Um, as Tammy mentioned, you know, High Point Networks has been a partner of Foundit for several years, um, helping with building security plans um, as well as uh, penetration testing. Uh, Jeff, can you give us a little bit of background about yourself and tell the audience how you got involved in the security field? Yes, uh, absolutely. So um, I I got my first computer when I was about eight years old. Um, I I had broken uh, my dad's computer. It was like a IBM two. It was like eight pounds or something like that. Uh, but I essentially I snuck into I snuck into his office at night, um, uh, used the computer and broke it. He figured that out and he gave it to me for Christmas that following year. Um, so I from that age on. You know, I had a curiosity as well as access to uh, um, computers. Um, and then, you know, to add to that, my uncle had a local repair shop here in Oklahoma City um, where he did, you know, a lot of work. And that uh, gave me a, basically a lot of free computer repair uh, whenever I break my own computer. Um, it gave me some uh, resources in terms of really smart people in the field to ask questions to. Um and so that I've basically been doing, um, you know, computer type of experimentation and uh, exploration forever. Uh, my first kind of foray into security uh, would be somewhere around middle school. We had a, um, as everybody knows, Windows has policies that restrict what you can do on it. Um, but at the time, obviously, um, you know, uh, red team type attacks weren't around um, as, as prevalent as they are now, I guess. Um, but essentially I was able to write code that dumped the policies registry key temporarily, let us do what we wanted to, and then just double click on the dot registry file to restore it. Um, so that the teacher didn't know that we did that. Um, so I didn't realize that that was security until someone's asked me a few times what my uh, first experience was. Um, of course that got me, you know, uh, uh, in trouble, um, in terms of the, Computer knowledge that I was using at school got me in trouble with the IT staff. Um, so kind of fast forward, um, I took break fix jobs primarily. So I got I had a lot of support help desk roles um, for a decade or so. Uh, I got my first start at Dell, um, and then I moved into web development. Uh, I did PHP and MySQL administration, um, uh, JavaScript, just kind of Python, you name it. Um, I, I started coding, um, and then I started noticing things that people like myself at the time and other developers did 
that were very dangerous and if someone found out would be uh, detrimental so um in in about 20 yeah 2011 i got my uh, gsec um from sands after a recommendation from somebody who kind of recognized my skill set and said hey if you don't direct the skill set in the right uh you know kind of direction you're going to end up uh in a place you don't want to be so that started my uh, foray into security. Um, and that was, you know, like I said, uh, in about 2011, um, I did a lot of work, what we call, uh, quote, in the field and um, uh, kind of cut my teeth uh, on different um, environments uh, to where I was allowed to explore. Um, and then in 2019, I got my first professional security where it was nine to five hacking job. Um, and I've been there ever since, but, but pretty much, yeah, from sixth grade, um, I've been creating and, um, you know, kind of exploiting computers, creating hacks and exploiting computers where I can. Awesome. Yeah. That's a, that's a fantastic background. Um, you, you know, you mentioned in, you know, um, exploiting and, and, and hacking these systems, software companies, much like Foundin, need to have a, an external, uh, audit or external tests um, from from companies like like yourself. Um, so what does it mean to be an ethical hacker? Take it away from the, the middle school hacking of the of the policies <laughs> and and working with organizations um, that are writing software um, and keeping them safe from from the bad guy. I kind of joke the the ethical hacker. Uh, it depends on who's paying you. Um, the, the It was what determines if you're ethical or non-ethical hacker. Um, but, but pretty much an ethical hacker is somebody that, that obviously has permission. Um, they then define a scope that they promise to not go outside of. Um, they're very communicative. Um, they ask permission, obviously, before running, you know, code uh, on a computer. So say I found Bluekeep in an environment. Um, I wouldn't just try to run it on a server to see if it works. I would uh, ask permission from the client. Um, but ethical hacking is essentially to where, um, you know, I'll make the argument, even, uh, you know, exploration hacking um, uh, would be my personal moral compass would say that's ethical. Um, if you're just kind of poking around to see where you can get in, if you end up somewhere, um, then you should report it to the person responsible disclosure. Right. Um, but in general, ethical hacking, really, to tell the truth, it comes down to who's paying you um, as to what that means. But um, but in general, it's it's statement of work, scope, um, communication, et cetera. Excellent. Uh, when you're doing these engagements um, where you're um, trying to hack a, um, a software um, provider's uh, system, what are you looking for? Yeah. So as you're as you're doing a web penetration test, for uh, yes. for example, um, when you're trying to to check user credentials, um, password requirements, um, uh, script um, export exploitations, um, what does that process look like? So so typically the process is um, you know running an automated scanner first. Um, you, you never want, you always want to work smarter, not harder. Um, I, 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 I've always, um, you know, 
use that mindset in computers, especially when I've automated a lot of this work um, that that um, that that can be automated, right? Because uh, a lot of stuff needs human touch. But essentially, uh, we run some automated tools while at the same time um, performing just manual analysis. A lot of this stuff takes experiments experience with the actual product you're pen testing to be able to know where to start looking. So for example, if I've had zero experience at all with Macintosh computers, you wouldn't want me to do a pen test on Macintosh computers, right? What you'd want is the guy that was the Apple service technician that then wanted to get into security. That's the kind of guy to pen test an Apple computer. So um, essentially what I'm, what I'm uh, kind of looking for is uh, automated scanning, to, to cover kind of all that ground and being thorough, but, but manually with what I know and with, from industry knowledge in the break fix realm, uh, development, um, you know, even, uh, uh marketing. Um, so SEO hitting the web and doing open source intelligence, um, gathering, um, uh, essentially I'm looking for anywhere and everywhere. I, I, I imagine like kind of like a water drop. Uh, if there's a leak, if there's a hole somewhere, that 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 drop of water will eventually find its way through, um, but but the the to to kind of give it uh, some some uh, clarity, I, I'm looking for misconfigurations is the primary thing. Uh, that's the primary um, uh, uh, exposure and vector of attack that that I see the most often are misconfigurations. In in your uh, experiences in the security world what's maybe one of the most interesting security events you've been a part of without without mentioning any organizational names but like uh can you tell us a story about something that you've that you've found and prevented that i is that i prevented uh n- um hmm. not i i i can i know that there's stuff that i've probably has have prevented but nobody's come back and said because of your remediation request or uh, you know suggestion i i found out that this hack was was stopped uh, but uh, you know for interesting hacking stories um uh if you would like to hear one i have i have a very uh wild one at least in my eyes it's wild but um all right, so I, I was. Uh, this is this was ten years ago. Just to, to put it in a, 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 the, that time space um, when I first started getting getting into hacking, you know, the technical side of it. Um, there was something that came out around that time called the Karma attack for Wi-Fi, which basically meant that if you're um, you're getting a a what's called probes all the time from different wireless stations, or your iPhone is a wireless station, right? So you're getting different probes looking for Wi-Fi networks. Um, mine looks for mine at home. Um, certain companies look for theirs. Uh, but what Karma did was it allowed you to basically respond to any probe request and tell that device, hey, I am Jeff's router, right? So, so, so um, along with that, at the time, I noticed that, um, well, I can't say the company name, but but they're a major telecommunications company, and they had their SSIDs pre-programmed into my telephone with auto-join enabled. So what I did was I used you know a combination of that karma attack to basically a, a rogue access point is what I created, um, 
with that uh, karma attack, um, and I set the SSID to ATT Wi-Fi. Um, my phone, my phone immediately connected to it. I had to forget the network set not to auto join. And then I thought, wow, this is, this is going to be interesting. So, you know, uh, where I lived, there was a sidewalk. Um, I guess someone was jogging by at the, so I also had this wired into SSL strip. Um, so that was before HSTS was enforced. Uh, so basically somebody uh, was jogging by connected to my rogue AP um, it took off the SSL to their Outlook um, uh, login because everybody has an interval to check for email. Um, and I basically got this guy's credentials from him jogging by my house uh, because his phone thought I was his work network. He went routed himself through my SSL stripped environment and I was able to get credentials. Um, and then with those credentials, I was able to actually log in to the, there was no MFA back in the day. Um, I was able to log into Outlook.com and, you know, browse if I wanted to company emails. Um, I signed out, of course, but but that was one of the, 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 the I would say, many, many experiences where I was just kind of dumbfounded at, at, like, if this is just me in my apartment, what are people in three-letter organizations um, or or other agencies, what are they capable of, and what's going on? But that that was the most that was one of the most mind blowing experiences. Was basically knowing someone jogged by the wrong apartment and could have gotten their whole company, you know, uh, credit card information and and uh, um, meeting information, all that stuff just dumped. And it's 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 scary. Wow, thanks, Jeff. That is a that is a mind blowing story. Wow. Um, Excellent. Thank you. Um, as we're recording this, um, this podcast for our listeners, we're, we're currently in October, National Cybersecurity Awareness Month. Uh, if we switch gears a little bit, what recommendations can you make for organizations, whether the ones that, that you work with directly or even just individuals that are, that are listening to this? You know, our listeners are the nonprofit and funder space Um what recommendations can you make to them to help them stay safe uh, online? So, um, I mean, it, it would apply almost to anybody, but but when you think nonprofit, uh, for at least from an atta- a social engineering attacker's uh, mindset, and um, you know, I, I've I've tested a local nonprofit, um, uh, um, and so I, I have do have a little bit of a kind of experience. I would say, you know, if you if one test counts as as experience testing nonprofits, but um, uh, essentially, you know, the, 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 I would believe the social, um, uh, attacks would be related to volunteering, right? So, so, Hey, I want to volunteer. Uh, can you take a look at my application that has a macro in it? Um, uh, there, there being things like, you know, Hey, I'd love to donate money. Who do I talk to? Right. So that gives you a CFO's access. Um, I'd be worried about these initial, um, access of social, uh, basically trying to find the high value targets um, in a nonprofit. Um, in addition, um, you know, with every company that I've uh, that I've tested, except for a few, there are misconfigured SMB shares or SMB shares configured in a way that are unhealthy to your security posture. Um, that the company just 
requires because of legacy requirements, et cetera. Um, so, so, so my recommendation would be, you know, to watch a watch for those, those um, kind of social engineering ploys that would apply to your industry. Um, and then, you know, uh, another would be to analyze your shares. Um, a day one employee should not have access to your accounting, um, you know, bank statements, right? Uh, so, so that kind of exposure is what I see uh, um, so often. Um, and then additionally, um, not even additionally, the first and foremost thing, um, if you aren't doing it already, is security awareness training. Um, you have to do some type of phishing um, in your organization to find out what kind of behaviors, uh, what kind of uh, filtering, um, what's going on inside of your email system, um, uh, and even even doing vishing. So over the telephone, can you get people to go to a website? Uh, but basically that awareness training um, in companies that we see heavy awareness training, they're the hardest to hack socially. In companies with amazing awareness training, it's amazing how sad it makes me with how fast these things get reported. Because, I mean, it, it takes a long time to set up a proper, I mean, to get to someone's inbox, non-whitelisted, which we do, uh, it takes a lot of pro- a lot of setup and a lot of thought and process and, and designing the perfect email lure, um, uh, you know, all that stuff. Um, it, it really makes a big impact. But e- even that with these organizations that have had really quality awareness training, um, it, it's it, it 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 blocks I would say you know seventy percent of the attacks in comparison to others. Um, so so to kind of wrap that up, um, look for social uh, attempts because that's how people are going to derive who to attack or or high value targets. Um, uh, make sure that your file sharing and that your general access default credentials those kind of things are all wrapped up. And then uh, the third thing. Security awareness training. So making sure that you're doing security awareness training and that you're providing education to the users that fail. Because if somebody just, you know, if somebody gets uh, their session cookies stolen, um, even if you have MFA and someone's logging into their Outlook, um, sending messages as them as Teams, um, that person should 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 uh, change their password immediately. Um Obviously, if you get those notifications, but but uh, yeah, the, the, those are the kind of main things I would say for for organizations, um, and they're pretty much the the bread and butter of what everybody would suggest. You know. Well, thanks, Jeff. Um, you know, I, this has been a, a great conversation. Um, I thoroughly in, enjoyed the the background and um, hearing about your start uh, hacking in in middle school and and where you've gotten today with with High Point. Um, is there anything else you want to um, leave our listeners with before we sign off? Um, I mean, not anything particular. I would just say, um, it, you know, if you if you aren't having a third party test your environment, test your security, do it yourself. You know, at least um, you don't have to be a, a, a complete expert to run automated scanning tools. I mean, you don't have to be an expert at all. Um, but you can you can download you know Nessus. You can download um, just InMap. Even you can da- you can figure out what's going on, what ports are open. Um, you can you can find out 
uh, information about your environment. Uh, but basically, if somebody is not pen penetration testing you, please Google it. Find out how to do a basic one for yourself because um, if you don't, someone else will. Great. Thanks, Jeff. Um, this has been fantastic. Uh, Tammy, I'll turn it back over to you for closing. Thank you so much, Corey and, and Jeff. This has been so interesting, and, and I know it's going to be helpful for our community. Uh, just to be exposed and, and learn more about what ethical hacking is and how it relates to cybersecurity and and your advice, um, that, that has been great and eye-opening to me as well. Um, I want to remind our listeners that we will include some helpful resources on this topic in our show notes, as well as links to our guest website and information. We really appreciate you taking time out of your busy schedule to join us today, Jeff. And if, and if, and if our, our listening audience, if you learned something from today's Connected Philanthropy podcast, please share it with others, spread the news. Um, this is helpful information and we want all nonprofit and funder organizations to be safe out there as they continue their, their good work. Uh, so we look forward to connecting with our community in future webinars, podcasts, and community discussions. Uh, we wish you all the best success. And again, thank you for all you do.